1: Merry Christmas, family. I have to ask you, have you ever been around someone famous and not realized it? Yeah, I lived in Nashville for about 10 years, and I'm pretty sure that I probably grocery shopped. I am terrible at recognizing people in general, <laughs> and so if, uh, if you're ever grocery shopping with me, just feel free to poke me. i like, oh yeah, okay, but I'm pretty sure that there are plenty of country music people I was around and just never even realized it. And it's an easy thing to have happen. I remember when I worked in news, I was the uh, six o'clock news anchor in the huge market of Guam, um, 150,000 people on the island, and, uh, but there was only one local news, and it was us. <laughs> And, uh, and so you would, you know, you, can, you could kind of expect to get recognized when you went out in public. And it was always interesting to me the people that recognized me and the people that didn't. Um, my, probably my favorite time that I wasn't recognized was uh, we were just preparing for uh, Kyla to be born. We were kind of creating the, the nursery that she was going to be in. And it was a Sunday, and I needed to go to the hardware store to pick up some stuff. And you know, one of the things that can happen is if when you get recognized, it will really slow your day down, because people want to talk to you for a minute, you don't want to be rude. And so I really decided I really did not want to be recognized that day. So I, I threw on a hat, I threw on a sweatshirt, kind of hoodie type of thing, and uh, I put on sunglasses, and I headed for the store. So. Um, I'm just not one of these people who can wear sunglasses in a store, so I took them off when I got inside. But I get inside the store, and I'm, I'm running quickly to grab what I need because I need to get back to help Rochelle with what we're working on. And this guy sidles up to me. He goes, hey, Chelu, which is kind of like Buddy in Chamorro. Hey, Chelu, you look exactly like that guy on KUAM. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, really?" I said, "Oh, okay." He's like, "Yeah, bro. I know. I know you're not." <laughs> but I'm telling you, you could be related to him. I was <laughs> like, "Wow, that's that's cool." Well, I I hope you like the guy. I couldn't resist. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, he he does news fine. He does news fine." Man, you look like him so much. <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you like him then. He's like, yeah. He goes, but you know what? You're better looking. <laughs> I love that. It's one of my favorite stories ever. It made me so happy. I never told the guy. I was mean. I didn't. I was like, yeah, I'm better looking. It works. That KOAM guy. And it's really easy to miss people. It's really easy to be in the moment and completely miss it. And it's also possible to be in the moment and just not trust your gut instinct, right? Like you have a gut, like the guy guy knew it was, he had a gut, but he didn't ever ask, because I wouldn't have lied to him. He never said, are you the guy? He just said, you look like the guy. And I was like, I'm in a hurry. (laughs) Sorry. So yeah, I was a little mean. So let me ask you a Christmas question. I want you to think about it for a second. I'll actually pause for a second. I want you to think about it. Two-parter. If Jesus, if we were to go back in time 2,000 years, would you have recognized Jesus when he was born? Would you, would, you have, would, you, would you arise and go visit him? Would you arise and go visit him? Be honest with yourself for a minute. Put yourself in the shoes of, of the shepherds, of the magi, of the common person in the area, of the priests, of Herod. You being you, what would you have done? If I'm really being honest with myself, I'm not sure that I would have got up. I mean, let's just be honest. There's a lot of conspiracy theories in the world. A lot of people making claims that "Mm, they aren't too likely. I don't know. I'd like to say I would have gotten up and done it, I feel somewhat confident that if angels had appeared, I would have done it, <laughs> I think. But if I was a pastor near Bethlehem, would have I gotten up and gone? I don't know. I, I feel a little embarrassed. I don't know that I would have. A lot of conspiracy theories. A lot of, a lot of people saying a lot of things. So let me say this to you today, though. Let me ask you another question. Did you visit Jesus this week? Because you know that he was there every day, right? So we, don't, we can go back 2,000 years, but the real question is, did you visit him this week? Did you visit him every day when he showed up? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, Ken's asking whether I had my worship in the morning and the evening. I hope you did. That's a good thing to do. But what I'm really asking is, did you see Jesus when he showed up in your day? Because he did. Jesus showed up in your day every day this week. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story about the end of the age, about his return. And there's two classes of people. There's the sheep, there's the goats. And the interesting thing is that both both have the same experience. And, and, And what comforts my heart a little bit about it is that both the sheep and the goats didn't realize they saw Jesus. That makes me feel a little bit better. Neither one realized that they saw Jesus. And they say, when did we see you? And Jesus, when he's talking to sheep, says it it like this. He says, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Now, we'll often go ahead and and create a picture around the least of these. And I'm not saying that picture is necessarily wrong, but could it be bigger? Could that thirsty person be a child or a parent? Of yours? Could that person who's hungry, do they have to be physically hungry or could they be spiritually hungry? Somebody that you took a time to, to feed when they needed some spiritual nourishment. What about the person in prison? You know, I think prison ministry is really important. I love the people who do it. It's not my thing, if I'm just gonna be honest with you. God hasn't called me to do that. And if he does, I'll go, I hope. But there, there are people that are called to to visit people in prison. That's God says, "Hey, there's your opportunity. Do it." But there are people that are in spiritual prison too. There are people who are addicts, and there's a wide range of addiction that in this world. It's not just drugs and they're in prison, did you visit them in prison? Do you you understand what that means, to visit somebody in prison? It doesn't mean to free them from prison necessarily, but just to go and be with them. A lot of times when we visit people who are addicts of one thing or another, our goal is to bust them out of prison. And yeah, we want them out of prison, right? We don't want people to suffer an addiction. But sometimes we quit visiting them when they don't leave prison. And do you know that people who suffer from addiction, they need to be loved where they're at? whether they choose to leave or not. They need our love and our visits while they're still in prison. A lot of times we only want to visit them after they're out. Did you see Jesus at the grocery store this week? Was it the clerk that's been yelled at half the day by people that got to do their Christmas shopping a little late, and turns out everything wasn't on the shelf because they were a little late, but somehow it's somebody in the store's fault. I've worked retail <laughs> at Christmas in college. It's enough to break your, your holiday joy. But you know that, that Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up this last week every day in your everyday life. Jesus wasn't always a male. Jesus showed up in your life. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 25. Matthew 25 is pointing us back to this Christmas story. Why can Jesus say this to us? Why can He say, when you did it for the least of these, you've done it for me? Because He did it for the least of these by being born here. He did it everything for you and me when He was born. So a few of you who are like the conscientious type are feeling super guilty right now. Oh, I could have been better this last week. I could have, yeah, you could have been. We all could have been. So we're gonna give ourselves grace. And all we're gonna do then is just say, Jesus, make me aware of the opportunities that you put in my everyday life. You know, sometimes we feel like we have to go out and create these opportunities. We have to create the opportunity to visit somebody in prison. We have to create the, you know what I've found in my life? The most meaningful ministry that I ever do is the ministry that God puts on the plate in front of me and that I didn't create for myself. It's the person that calls me up with a question, and instead of blowing it off really quickly, I actually take the time. It's when I'm feeling frustrated in the grocery store, and I just stop and really ask the person, how are you doing? Are you okay? Must be a hard time of year for you with everything going on. we don't have to create the opportunities, God brings them to us in my experience. And the question is, do you open your eyes to see Jesus in front of you or don't you? Do you open your eyes to see it? So how, how can we do that? Well, over the last several Sabbaths, we've been talking about various aspects of the Christmas story and the first aspect that we talked about was this aspect of hope. We saw it in the, in the, in the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah had the opportunity to have a child after thinking it was impossible to have children because he was too old. And one of the, the most asked questions, I, in that sermon I said something that, that that's been a little hard for some of you to chew on. I said to hold on to hope loosely. And I've I've had more questions from what do you mean by that? Aren't we supposed to really kind of grip onto faith, hold on to it with and I and yes. But I really want to take a moment to explain because if one of you has a question, it means that a lot of you have a question. Can I tell you what I mean by that? When I say holding on to hope loosely. I mean being willing to allow God to change what you're hoping for. That sometimes you're hoping for the cure to cancer and what God wants to give you is the peace in that journey that you're going through. But if you hold on to I've got to be cured, you're missing on what God wants to give you and the blessing he has. And so when I say hold on to hope loosely, I just simply mean Don't hold on to your preconceived ideas like Zachariah did. He said, I have, my hope will have to come some other time. It's not, he had to loosen his grip and allow God to give him the hope. So, what does that have to do with meeting Jesus this next week every day? Again, hold on to the hope of seeing Jesus, but don't hold on to what you think Jesus has to look like or sound like or be like. Recognize that Jesus can come in all forms, shapes, and sizes. He visits us in the most unlikely to our our mind. So hold on to that hope loosely as you look for Jesus this week. And then I want to encourage you to have faith. Faith like the Magi, that when you see somebody that God puts Jesus in your path, that you have what it takes to do what needs to be done for Jesus in that moment. It's an amazing thing to me. I remember just not too long ago, um, you know, we have a kid in college and another one in boarding school. So finances are, you know, they are what they are. And I saw somebody that I knew needed some money And I was like, man, I don't have the money, but I know they need it. And what was incredible to me is, I'm not, trust me, there's more times than not that I actually don't do the right thing, so this is not me patting myself on the back, but this time I actually did the right thing. I did the thing I felt God telling me to do. And it was incredible to me that week, somehow my finances made way more sense and there was just more money in the the bank than I thought could possibly be there. Family, trust that God has the sheep on a thousand hills, the cattle on a thousand hills, and all he has to do is sell one or two to provide for you when he's calling you to do something. Now, I'm not saying don't, I'm saying be wise, don't do, you know. But at the same time, just trust that if God really puts it on your heart, that he can provide, that he has the faith, that if you have the faith, he'll take care of it. And it's not just money, it's time. It's all the other things that you think that you don't have enough of. It's the patience. You're like, I don't have the patience to deal with that person. Maybe if you have the faith, God will give you that patience. And then we talked about not being like Herod who lived in fear, but rather choose that, that because Herod was afraid of what he was going to lose. So many times when we encounter Jesus, we're afraid that if we, if we reach out to Jesus, that we're going to lose something by doing it. And the truth is you may lose something, but find the peace that tells you that if you lose it, he'll replace it with something better. Live in the peace of Jesus. So as you go about encountering people this week, remember, hold on to hope loosely, have faith, embrace peace as you meet him. And you know what you'll find next? Joy. It's amazing that as you encounter Jesus, the joy that he can bring us, the same joy that the shepherds experienced when they arose and went and found the baby, it was a joy that the innkeeper missed out on. When the innkeeper chose not to open the door and welcome the Christ child in. This Christmas, what I'm really doing today is inviting you to love like Jesus. It's really what I'm doing. I'm asking you to be like the God of the universe who gave his son, fully understanding what that was going to mean. To be like Jesus who. The Bible says, didn't consider equality to God with God to be something to hold on to, but instead lowered himself and made himself into human form. I'm inviting you to love like that. I'm inviting you to do it because of this classic text. For this is how God loved the world. How did he love the world? He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Today, I invite you not to judge the world, not to judge the person that God brings into your life, but I invite you to look at each person that you encounter every day, and to see Jesus standing in front of you, and then simply ask, how is it that God wants me to love today? If you do that, Christmas doesn't have to be a season in the year, and it certainly doesn't have to be one day. It can be something that lives in your heart all year long. Part of having Christ live in us is accepting the sacrifice that he came and gave to us. It's an incredible thing to think that as that little baby, as we celebrate that little baby, that baby was born with the purpose of of dying. That Christ came with the purpose of becoming an atonement for our sins. And at Christmas, I think it's a very appropriate time to celebrate communion a very appropriate time for us to to take the symbols of Christ and remember what they mean. That because that baby was born and because that baby died, you and I now have the Holy Spirit that lives in us and gives us the strength that we need to do what needs to be done spiritually in our lives. And because of the blood that Christ shed, we have the life of God flowing through us. And so I invite you to take out the emblems that you should have received when you came in. And if you didn't, that's okay. Um, raise your hand and we have some people who'd be more than happy to bring you by um, some emblems. We have somebody over here and we have a couple hands over on the other side. So um, just raise your hand, it's okay if you didn't get them coming in. And also um, you're gonna need a candle in a little while. So if you didn't get a candle when you came in, you'll wanna raise your hand for that too. So uh, go ahead and raise your hand if you need a candle or you need these emblems. So we're going to do, we're going to do communion in the whole life, whole life way of doing communion, okay? We're going to do it in community. We're going to do it a little bit differently. If, if you're visiting whole life for the first time, it's maybe a little bit different than the way that you're used to partaking of these emblems. But I hope that you'll find some deep meaning in it. What's gonna happen in just a moment, I'm gonna have a prayer of blessing for these emblems. And then what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to turn to somebody near you. And I'm gonna ask you to partake in these emblems with that person. The good news is that if you're sitting next to your biological family, you're more than welcome to do that with them. But if you're not, you're still sitting with family. If you came here alone today, you are with family. You are not alone. And so I invite you, after I have prayer, we're going to sing a song. While the song is being sung, you don't need to stand. You just need to be wherever you're at. And I just invite you to pray together. Give the person a hug, but partake of these emblems. Let's remember that there's, this is not some sort of magical, superstitious kind of thing. These are symbols to remind us of something. So be reminded with your family member next to you, whether they're biological or spiritual family, be reminded of the body of Christ that was broken for you. Just like when we eat bread, it goes into us, it gives us strength, it gives us the ability to do things, so the broken body of Christ gives us power and strength. Blood has always represented life in the Bible. And Christ shed blood, because he shed his blood, you have that life in you. And when you partake of that symbol, it reminds you that Christ lives in you. And because he lives in you, You have life. Let's bow our heads as I pray a blessing on these symbols. Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for the amazing sacrifice. Thank you for the baby that was born, that grew up into the man that gave his life on a cross and now sits in glory at the right hand of the Father. Lord, we pray that you would bless this bread that symbolizes Jesus' broken body. We pray that you would bless this grape juice that symbolizes Jesus' shed blood and that shed blood that now gives us life. Lord, may we partake of these in reverence, remembering what it cost you this Christmas time. We pray in your name. Amen. Again, remember, as the song is sung, partake of these symbols together reverently with someone near you. We're going to have a little bit of a time for sharing testimonies. And I know that may make some of you feel a little bit different. (laughs) But I love testimonies. And what I'd like to hear from you is I have a specific question I'd like for you to answer. We've got about five minutes for this. I'd like to see how many people we can fit in. So if you have a testimony to share, if you, if you take five minutes, I guess you were the testimony. But I encourage you to kind of keep it concise. Uh, we have people that with microphones, they're going to walk around. They're going to hold it for you. If you try to take it from them, I've authorized them to not let you do that. <laughs> All right, so they're going to hold on to the microphone. But the question I'd like to ask, and if you're willing to answer it, I'd like just to invite you to, if you're willing to share a, a brief testimony, um, just stand up. I know that, again, may be a little bit uncomfortable, but just stand up so that they can find you more easily. Um, and what we're going to do is ask, answer this question How have you experienced the Jesus of hope, faith, and peace and joy this Christmas season? How have you experienced Jesus this Christmas season? It can be through your devotional life. It can be through someone you saw. But if, you, uh, if you'd like to share a brief testimony about how you've experienced Christ this Christmas season, I'd invite you to, to stand up and so my folks with the microphone can find you. If you don't, I will give another 30-minute sermon. <laughs>
2: Visit here, and I was invited here by my real estate agent that's helping me sell my home. And though I'm going through a very difficult family situation, I feel like I have family around me today. So,
1: thank you. Amen. You must have a fantastic real estate agent. (laughs) That's awesome. We're so glad you're part of the family. You are. Anybody else experienced Christ this holiday season?
0: Um, I might have. Um, during this whole pandemic, I feel like I've seen Christ helping out with all the doctors and scientists trying to. Help us get through this pandemic.
1: Amen. Yes. Amen.
2: Well, my experience was, was this morning, and I'm still very touched that God allowed me to be mindful and be watchful around what was going on around me. Um, driving here from 408, coming from Metro West, merging to I-4 East to come here, I saw on my right side, I don't know how many of you go that way, it's a very sharp curve, right on the bottom, you know, it's really deep down, there was a tent, a small tent, and I remember that I saw this tent at least a week ago, so somebody's living there. So... God touched my heart to call 911. I didn't know what else to call, and they were very attentive, and I explained to them the situation that somebody might be freezing in there. The officer called me later, and they were on the way to check on that whoever person, I don't know. But I'm just grateful that God touched my heart to do something because it would be easy just not to see it.
1: Thank you. Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you. Uh, We live in Venice, Florida. We're here visiting, and uh, we were impacted by Hurricane Ian. But one of the things that uh, brought Christ really close to me was that my husband and I have been going down to Fort Myers to Adventist Community Services Warehouse, and seeing all the donations coming into that warehouse and then reorganizing them and shipping them out to people we'll never see either the ones that donated it or the ones that will receive it. I just want to say that if you do that sort of thing, if you donated anything, it's such a pleasure to see it en route to the person that's actually going to help. And it made me realize Christ loves every one of us.
1: Amen. Awesome. We have an online uh, viewer, and thank you for those of you who are online. If you turn them in, we'll read them. We have, we have a, a testimony here from Debbie Armstrong. She says, it's been a rough year for our family. Peter's brain tumor and all the surgeries threw us in a huge turmoil. But God was with us every step of the way. Through the nurses at the hospital, through my job, through the church members and family and friends who offered support in a multitude of ways. We cannot begin to offer enough gratitude to God and all of the supporters and all of those who supported us through this. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Amen. We had this will be our our last one.
3: Hello, church family. A couple. This year has not been good to me. I lost my job, and I actually was almost evicted and homeless. But the Lord saw fit for me to make see another day. I am now retired, hope happily, and an apartment. And my car, I still have my car, so all is well with me. And I like, I just like to say, you know, I thought my life was done, gone. Hom- homelessness is not nothing to crowd, to, to have. But I thankful that the Lord looked down on me and said, "This is my child, and I'm going to show her what I can do." Amen. And so I am thankful for being here and and the place where I am now, thank you.
1: Thank you. And thank all of you uh, who shared your testimonies, and I know there are many more testimonies here. Um, we all experience Jesus in one way or another, and I hope this holiday season, you'll, you'll feel Christ in your heart, you'll, you'll experience him fully. This church, we have a, uh, a tradition of having a uh, candlelight um, communion service on Christmas Eve and this, this year being that Sa- uh, Sabbath was Christmas Eve. We thought, well, what are we going to do? Do we, do we do something different? So we decided to do something different. We had the breakfast this morning. We had the service at 11. And if you enjoy this service so much that you want to do it again, you can. We're going to do the exact same thing. Somebody laughed a little too hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't help myself there. Um, I liked it. I will be back. Um, <laughs> so uh, so uh, at 5.30, we're going to do this exact same service again. And if you, uh, if you want to come back, you'd certainly be welcome to. It will be an exact replica of the service you've just been in. Um, but if there's somebody that you know, a friend or somebody that you care about that you think, man, they, should have, they, they need this. Invite them to be here at 5.30, and we're gonna do this again then. We're gonna close off. We're gonna close off by um, lighting candles. You you all should have received a candle. I'm asking you not to turn them on yet. Don't turn them on yet. This is our first year without real candles, and, or these are real candles. Without a, they're flameless candles, there we go. So this is how we're gonna do it this year. You know, there's a metaphor that I want you to remember that we always talk about every year when we do this. And that's the metaphor of how just one candle, one candle, one little bit of light can light up the world. Just one. The book of John tells us that Jesus is the light. And so if his light is in you, you can make a huge difference. We're gonna lower the lights, it's gonna be dark. What's gonna happen is I'm gonna turn on my candle as the song begins. And then I'm gonna come and I'm going to touch somebody else's candle that isn't on. Once your candle is touched by a candle that is on, you can turn yours on. And we're gonna see how bright it gets in this room when we each have our candle lighted. Make sense? So don't turn on your candle until your candle is touched by somebody else's candle that is lighted, all right? After the song is over, we're just going to invite you to exit. There will be places where you can make donations as you exit. What we use that money for is community assistance. So earlier you heard about a family that was in a tragic car accident earlier this week. They are not members here at this church. They attend another church here in town, but they're still part of our family. And so this church is taking money from the funds that come in and we're making a donation to that family to help them through this time. So if you wanna help in this community, not necessarily just that family, but you wanna help, we invite you to give there at the doors if you have cash. And if like me, you only carry a credit card around, you're more than welcome to go online to our website and make a donation there for our community assistance fund there. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. I hope you encountered Jesus right here and that you have an incredible Christmas.
0: Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church And our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the whole life takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast.